Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you're doing well today. I am sharing with you a conversation I had with Irene Fair, who's a sex and intimacy coach. And we talk about topics such as how society makes women feel sexually broken and kills their libido. So this is something that I've noticed a lot with my clients and the things that people tell me in DMs that anxiety, low self-esteem, those sorts of things that you may be struggling with can really impact your sex life and they can impact it because of shame because of not being in the present moment because of not feeling good enough and really Irene helps people with these sorts of issues and so we talk about how stress and anxiety can impact our sex drive and she shares the four myths that women are led to believe about their libidos and this is just really really interesting we go into lots of different topics around this so if you've been struggling with anxiety if it's been affecting your sex life your confidence in that area if you feel like yeah you just don't feel in the mood for sex then this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss I also want to invite you to download a free resource that I've made for you it's for those of you with high functioning anxiety so high functioning anxiety in case you're not aware is anxiety where other people might think you're fine. On the outside, you appear to be handling life. You might even be thought of as a successful person that's got it all together. But inside, you may be struggling. Inside, you may be feeling like you're not good enough. You might be striving for perfectionism and beating yourself up about things. You might be finding it hard to switch off, putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And yeah, basically those sorts of things. So I've made a worksheet that is designed to take you through a process whereby you can discover the number one thing that's holding you back because learning about ourselves is the most important first step for overcoming a problem. And so many of us don't actually have the correct process to really understand ourselves and really understand what the problem is. And so it helps you to to sort of diagnose what the biggest problem is for you and then gives you a framework for overcoming it. So It takes you through a coaching process that's going to help you to shift one area of your life in a profound way. And so if you want to download this, you can head over to my website, karma.com 
That's C-A-L-M-E-R hyphen, the little dash in between, and then you, Y-O-U, dot com forward slash workbook. And you'll also find this link in the show notes. So it's karma youcom forward slash workbook to download the free high functioning anxiety workbook. So let's get into this interview with Irene Fair. So welcome, Irene. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me and I'm doing great. Excited for this conversation. Me too. Me too. Such an interesting topic. Can you share a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today? Well, let me share maybe first about my story and that will help you and and the listeners understand what I do. So today I'm a sex coach. I work with women and couples around uh, women's libido, specifically in a long-term relationship. And my own story of losing my libido in my long-term relationship, which was actually a marriage, is what led me here. And my story started like like the stories of so many couples around the world. We fell in love. Everything was wonderful and beautiful in the beginning. We were the couple that everyone looked at and said, wow, you're this perfect couple. And everything was really perfect in the beginning. The energy, the connection, the sex, a lot of it was great. But something started to change over time in my own libido. As the relationship grew deeper, my libido started to go away. And it first started with me losing lubrication and then sex turning very painful and then me losing that desire for sex altogether. And during that time, aside from all of this being really stressful and anxiety producing, we also weren't talking about it at all. So I felt completely alone in dealing with this. I felt completely broken sexually. I thought there was something wrong with me. I went to all the doctors. I, you know, tried to find solutions. And so it was that combination of certainly feeling broken, but then handling all of that on my own without being able to talk to my partner, without being able to get support, without him being involved was devastating and such a huge burden, which of course contributed to me feeling even worse about myself and having absolutely no way to get my libido back. So all of that ended in divorce. Uh, we didn't get divorced because of the sexless marriage, but because of the disconnect, right? That the, 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 How we felt so separated from each other. Um, and then for the few years afterwards, I felt completely disconnected to myself. I had I was convinced I'm broken sexually. I can't really be in a relationship because who's going to want to be with a woman who can't or doesn't want to have sex? And I spiraled out really for the following four years to a point where I hit rock bottom. And uh, I love the way Brene Brown talks about these kind of moments in our lives where it looked like it was a nervous breakdown, but it was really a spiritual awakening. And that's really what happened to me. I hit rock bottom feeling depressed, feeling like I, you know, I really didn't, not, nothing gave me energy to, to live and do things except my dog. Just, I wanted to take him out and feed him and make him happy. Um, but I was fortunate to end up in a, in a workshop for women with, with other coaches who asked some very powerful questions uh, that had me realize that this wasn't okay. 
how was it that I lived with this for so many years and made it okay to feel so broken and to feel so shut down? And that, again, they helped me see that this was not okay. And I literally had this awakening of, I want my life to happen on my terms. I want to create my life. And what I was doing before, in a way, wasn't. I was doing what I'm supposed to do in work, but also in sex. And I just saw all of that clearly. And that set me on a path to do a lot of personal growth work, to discover myself, to understand myself, to find what I'm really passionate about, both in career, uh, in in the, the work aspect, which ended up being this, of course. But it was also just finding myself and finding who, who I wanted to be in relationships and how to create those relationships. And soon after that, I started working with a sex coach. And during that journey, I realized that there was nothing wrong with me, that I wasn't broken. And that also, in a way, our love wasn't broken or we weren't wrong for each other, but that we had no idea what was actually happening. We didn't have the words to describe it. And we made a lot of really wrong conclusions, especially me about myself. But we also weren't communicating, which which led us on the wrong path. And that for me was so eye-opening, in addition to, of course, discovering myself, my body, enjoying sex and and realizing that, oh, my libido is very healthy. Uh, It's just that I didn't know how to feed it, how to give it what it needs. All of that was so revolutionary that I wanted to do this for other women and particularly for other couples. And truly, the story that I that I shared with you about my journey, that's the story of the majority of people, majority of couples in the world, especially if you get together when you're young, when you get married or when you're in a serious relationship, you don't know how to be a couple. You don't know how to have sex in a long-term relationship overnight. You have to go through this process. And a lot of people get stuck in the way I do. So that became my mission My life purpose is to spread this education to help couples capitalize on the love they have for each other to create a fulfilling relationship that includes a fulfilling sex life, that includes a sex life that feeds them, that nourishes them, that makes them bigger and better as as human beings. And and that's why I'm here today. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And... um, yeah, I like the fact that you, you know, you struggle with this yourself. I know of a few sex coaches who are great, but they have never struggled in this area. They've never, you know, yeah, had those sorts of struggles and they, they're open about that. But I think it's, it is a real difference when someone has gone through that themselves. You can really, you know, feel, sense the difference. And so interesting about the communication aspect of it. It's amazing how, you know, in 2021, we have so much pornography the sex everywhere supposedly and yet it's still one of those things that can feel so vulnerable to talk about and so difficult and we don't know how to talk about it and it is one of those things that gets kind of just shut down and locked away and is there's so much shame around it I think and so yeah I'm glad we're having this conversation today to sort of bring more of these topics up into the light um I know you talk about how society makes women feel broken well, actually, what relating to this question about feeling sexually broken, it's specifically 
sex in a long-term relationship that still is incredibly taboo because there's so much about sex. There's definitely porn, but there's also magazines that talk about even women's pleasure. Like we've broken a lot of taboos, but this particular area is still incredibly taboo because something happens when you're in a relationship. There's both expectations on yourself and on each other that you are going to make it work. Like it it now is somehow serious rather than the kind of fun sex that you have when you're single. And that makes not just women, but both partners really close off, become private, hold it in, carry it on their own shoulders. And of course that worsens everything. So I feel like this is like the last taboo in in the realm of sex, uh, the realm of sex altogether is just sex in a long-term relationship and sexual desire in a long-term relationship. Yeah. I mean, I've been with my partner for 12 years, a long time since I was 23. I think we met each other on 35 now. And it's interesting because you're, you're best friends with this person and you are talking about taking the bins out. And then you've also got to have like a you know, (laughs) passionate sexual relationship, not that you have to, but, you know, you hope that you do. And so those things can be hard to balance. You know, what are the things in society that, that make us feel broken sexually? Yeah. Well, there's four specific myths that I talk about when it comes to women feeling sexually broken. And in a way, as you've seen a moment, they have a theme when, when you're on the inside, you don't see a connection and they really have women shut down and believe that we're broken and also in a way have us not be ourselves in relationships. So let me go through these one by one. Uh, The first one is that women assume, again, it's a myth, but women assume that our sexual desire should be spontaneous in a way, the way it was in the beginning when we met, you know, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. We wanted to kiss. We wanted to make out. We wanted to rush to the bedroom. And so we think that that should look the same as you, like you said, you're 13 years in and you do balance taking out the trash or conversations about that and other things that are frustrating and a passionate sex life. So things look very different in the long term. And we blame ourselves, like something went wrong with me. Something happened with me that it, that my sexual desire doesn't look the same. And usually we look at the men and say, but he is fine. Look at him. He's ready to have sex in a, in a split second. And this is a myth and it's a very dangerous myth. And the reality underneath it is that we have completely different systems, uh, in a way, completely different operating systems in men and in women. Men have, or most men have what's called spontaneous sexual desire. They can spontaneously get excited and be ready for sex. They literally can go from no arousal, not feeling sexual to feeling sexual within minutes. Physiologically speaking, that can happen even within seconds. But women have what's called responsive sexual desire. We are responding to a lot of things that are happening around us. So if you woke up, rushed to work, took care of business, came home, took care of children, took care of the laundry, called your mom, did this and that, and then rolled into bed at the end of the night exhausted, your sexual desire is responding to all of that. 
or to put it differently, there is no sexual desire at the end of that because your energy has gotten depleted. You, you spend it on all these other things. You've got nothing to feed you. You are not connected to yourself and expecting sex at the end of that, or expecting your sexual desire, your libido to come online. That's an unrealistic expectation. But without knowing this, we again, blame ourselves. We think that there's something wrong with us because again, look, look at the guy next to you and he can do it. He could, he may have had a similar day and he can get aroused and he wants sex. So this is again, really big myth and dangerous one. But when we realize that we are not broken as women, when we are responding to all these things, especially lack of connection, lack of pleasure, lack of time to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with our libido. It's just starving. It's just missing the nutrients that it needs. So that's myth number one. And myth number two is related to that, which is, hey, I'm a superwoman. I can do it all. And again, I can use all my energy for everything else. And I still should be able to have sex. It's this myth that came out of the feminist movement, which I absolutely support and love, but it was an inadvertent, uh, it, it's something that, that, that hurts us more than, than helps us, which is this idea that we're super women. We can run on an empty tank and we can still achieve a ton of things. We don't need to be fed. And that really impacts our sex drive. Again, we cannot, we don't have a spontaneous sexual desire to begin with, and we cannot run in an empty tank. We cannot give, 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 and then be able to give some more. But at some point, we're going to run out. And you know, if this happened to your engine in a car, if you lost all the fuel in your engine and the engine started sputtering and wouldn't turn on, you wouldn't say, you stupid engine, there's something wrong with you. You would realize, wow, I'm in an empty tank. I got to refill. And so the solution to believing this is learning that we need to fill our cup and of course, taking action to do that. You're not broken if you, if you can't gather the energy for sex, if you're empty, that's just the physics and the physiology of it. Yeah. I'm sure that's so pertinent for people listening. A lot of People that I work with are people pleasers, they are helpers, they are putting everyone else first, they're close to burning out. And yeah, it makes total sense. If you've been giving to people all day, if you've been juggling a million things and trying to do things perfectly and, you know, having a corporate career and also maybe raising children, you know, it's a lot. Of course, there's not going to be that energy left to then want to have sexy, sexy time <laughs> or, you know, feel that desire. Exactly. So yeah, it makes total sense. And we might convince ourselves that we can do this, but the thing is that our bodies, we can't fool them. The body is going to shut down. The body is going to absolutely choose sleep over being sexy with each other. The body is going to send you signals such as having a hard time getting aroused, not having lubrication, feeling very tight on the inside because there's no arousal. So the body's just like, well, I'm, I'm shut down for business. If we override that, that actually adds more stress, more anxiety. 
on us because we're overriding the natural signals that our bodies give us. So this also is an incredibly dangerous myth that so many of us live like it's normal, right? Like that's how you live life today. And the third myth is around specifically relationships. And so it comes into play when you know you, you have a long-term relationship, you're in love with your with your partner, and you assume that I should want to have sex because I am with a man I love. Like we have a good relationship. My sexual desire should be happening naturally. But this is what happens when we when I work with clients and we unpack what's happening. Well, the other two myths are also at play. She is running herself ragged throughout the day and has no energy. And then coming in and, and thinking like, oh, I should want to have sex with him because I love him. Again, ignoring this idea of an empty tank. She's comparing herself in terms of her sexual desire and wondering, well, he wants to, and look, he loves me. I should want to share my love back with him. And what also happens with so many couples is you know, in the beginning of the relationship, you're spending so much time with each other, maybe not literally, but you're texting each other or you're on the phone with each other, or, you know, even hundreds of years ago, you're writing letters to each other. You're on each other's mind all the time. You're sharing your hearts with each other. It's all so connected and there's so much of the connection. Fast forward 15 years or even a couple of years, and you're talking about taking out the trash and what the dog needs and what the kids need and the different schedules and this and that. There is no connection there. There's all of these practical matters and you don't actually get to see each other's hearts. You don't actually talk about your dreams or fears. You don't actually get to spend a lot of time with each other unless you're passing each other in the hallway. And so naturally, a woman's responsive sexual desire is going to be responding to that. The lack of connection, the lack of attention, the lack of just being with each other, literally being with each other in the same room, paying attention to each other, being each other's objects of, of attention. So... There is no should that should happen there if you love each other in terms of women's sexual desire. The women's sexual desire is responsive absolutely to connection, to presence, to being with each other. And that's the solution. So again, we start to feel like we're broken, but we're not. We're just missing. We're missing this. Uh, we're starving of this essential nutrient that we need. And um, the last myth kind of combines all of them which is this myth that, again, my sexual desire should be like a man's, that it should be on demand, that it should be easily accessed. And if it's not, I have low libido or I am sexually broken, which is how so much of what's out there today speaks about low libido in terms of like literature and different tests that women have to take to be diagnosed with low libido. But the problem is we're comparing ourselves to men who, like I've shared, are very different. Their bodies work differently. And so we end up actually wanting to be more like men. You know, I have so many women coming to me saying, my husband can climax in three minutes. It takes me 45 minutes. It's way too long. 
I want to be able to orgasm in three minutes. But the problem with that is that we actually lose out so much of the nutrients that we get from our sexual experience, which allows our body to come alive, to become aroused, to feel life coursing through it, our cells opening up, our hearts opening up, skin feeling sensitive, everything just coming alive. If you want to orgasm in three minutes, you bypass all of that. And then it's just motions. And so this myth leads a lot of women to shortcuts, which again, contribute to this idea of her starving and having to perform and having to struggle, like sex feeling so hard. Like I have to get myself in the mood and I have to do all these things. And, you know, I could just totally be okay without it. But again, we're not broken, but we're we're using this masculine logic. We're using what works for men to apply it for us. And that's wrong. It doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're wearing someone else's clothes. We're walking in someone else's you know, shoes. It doesn't help us. Now, this episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by my five-day anxiety challenge. Now, this anxiety challenge is for you if you are a world-class overthinker and you find it hard to switch off at the end of the day. It's for you if your mind automatically goes to the worst-case scenario whenever you're doing something new or different. If you struggle with a voice in your head that criticizes your every move, if you find it hard to be present because you're busy worrying and second guessing yourself, or if you wake up at 5am with a racing heart, adrenaline pumping and a sense of dread in your stomach about the day ahead. In this five day challenge, I give you a daily exercise that will help you to tune in to a calmer version of yourself. There's a hypnotherapy session in there to help you to feel calmer instantly. I'm sharing my favorite tool for releasing stress and tension from the body and lots more. Plus, you get a special invite to invite your friends to do the challenge for free because sharing is caring and group support is invaluable. You can join the anxiety challenge today. It's $4.99 to join. You get to keep it forever and do it as many times as you want. You can head over to karma-u.com forward slash anxiety challenge all one word so that's karma-u.com forward slash anxiety challenge all one word I hope you like it it's so interesting it really seems like there's like there's an education piece about us you know needing to understand our bodies and how how we get aroused but also all these things that are kind of baked into society about being on the go being in that masculine energy of pushing and working all the time or the the things that we can't we don't really we can't avoid that it's kind of inevitable that you know busyness in life is like the default mode I think for most people Mm. most people are they if they especially if they have kids or especially they have a busy job a dog I think some dogs are harder work than some children (laughs) friends tell me so (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) a lot I know that yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was curious to know a bit more about how, you know, how does stress and anxiety impact things in this area? Because I imagine there's a there's a biological aspect of what's going on of having a lot of adrenaline and cortisol. But yeah, what are the sort of things that you see that, that make an impact there? Oh, this is such a huge topic that I could spend hours talking about. Stress and anxiety. So just naturally, if you think about stress and anxiety and what it does to the body, 
it's a heavy thing to carry. It contracts us. It is something that exhausts us. And this is very much an element that works against our libido. So women's sexual desire, women's sexuality is about opening up. Just think about our physiology. We have to open up to receive a partner or a toy. Our bodies need to open up. And so stress and anxiety, again, have this feeling in the body of contraction, heaviness, depletion. So that's a direct impact of it. Anxiety and stress deplete us and make opening up so much harder. And of course, you know, everything that I shared with you with these myths creates so much anxiety, feeling broken, feeling like you don't have a, a sense of control over your situation. And that's just a downward spiral. You know, my background is certainly in sex coaching, but also in trauma work. And I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner in training. One more module to finish the three-year training. Right. And we so much focus on feeling safe in the body. So if you're struggling with anxiety, you actually are in a constant state of not feeling safe in your own body, of being on edge, of being vigilant. And so all of that contributes to sexual challenges. I don't need to say sexual problems, but certainly challenges in the bedroom around relaxation, accessing the full range of pleasure, being able to relax and, and feel just comfortable being there. All these things get impacted if you're vigilant on edge and you don't feel safe in the situation and in your body. So all of that has a huge impact of, on our sexuality, which leads to so many women performing. So they're in a relationship, there's desire, maybe desire to be with a partner sexually that's more uh, cognitive than physical. There's desire to please a partner. There's a desire to maintain the relationship. So there's all the di different ways that the woman might desire to have sex, but the sex itself or the sexual desire might be missing this element of the body's openness and fullness and relaxation. And again, this, I, this kind of coming alive. And what happens is that we re resolve to performance. We perform. We're there. We're maybe having a good time, but we're forcing our bodies to do things. We are going through the motions. Uh, we might get an orgasm in, but it's not the kind of orgasm that comes from arousal and openness and overflow. It's more of an orgasm. Like, yeah, I know which buttons to push to make it happen. And that's hard work. And so that all becomes a kind of a downward spiral of feeling anxious going in, not knowing how to deal with it, performing, and then it feeling not so great afterwards, adding to the anxiety, adding to the pressure, doing it again, and just spiraling down and down. Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, if you're somebody that's very much up in your head, and if you've got a lot of things, I think often we're holding a lot mentally, we're holding the shopping list and the bins need to go out on this day or need to book the dentist and all those things that we're holding. And if you're in your head, I suppose you're not in your body and you're not, you're going to be disconnected from what you feel, I suppose. Um, is that something that you see? 
Absolutely. And look, what you're describing is actually part of the arousal process. That is what all of us start with is a mind full of these things that are calling at you and pulling at you to do. And we all as women have to get over that stage. The thing is that with our arousal, it being responsive, it's, it's, it's a long journey. So if I were to take an average woman who has sex on average once a week, so she's not sexually active every day, and she's busy between these times that she has sex with her partner, on average, she needs an hour or an hour and a half to get out of the stage where the, the mind is so busy and get into her body and let the body come alive and let the aliveness start to um, get the, the fire going in her, the sexual fire, and then be ready for, for sex, meaning penetration or even uh, oral sex, being really open and into it. So here we have, again, at least an hour-long journey, but usually what we try to squeeze this in is 15 minutes at the end of the day, right? With all those things that I mentioned earlier in place. And this is, again, another way that we look broken to ourselves. Like, why can't I get this stuff out of my head, the laundry, the to-do list, all of that? And you can't, but you have to give yourself time. And also not just time, it's not like sitting with a timer and waiting for the time to go by, but during that journey is immersing yourself in pleasure, immersing yourself with your partner in connection, in slow, evolving connection of close conversation and talking to each other and holding hands, looking into each other's eyes, feeling important, feeling like, wow, you're the world to him, to then starting to touch, starting to open up through non-sexual touch, then evolving into making out and starting to have your body touch, then evolving to touching the erotic areas like, like underarms or belly or the sides of your body to gradually pr progressing towards touching the genitals, to stimulating the genitals, to maybe then starting to be like, oh, 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 that feels good. Oh, I think I want more. Oh, I want sex now. But again, the problem is we squeeze this into 15 minutes, beginning to end. Like by 15 minutes, we should have our orgasm done and, and just be on our ways. And that's unrealistic. It's, it backfires. And again, it actually leaves us more depleted than we started with. And that's, that's the, the, the sad part and the dangerous part is that it, it, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by engaging in the kind of sex that, like I said, takes 15 minutes beginning to end and not allowing our, the natural progression of things happening in our bodies, including getting out of that stage when we were in your to-do list. Yeah, so, so slowing slowing it down and, and taking it step by step rather than expecting us as women to suddenly feel turned on we got to slow it down and kind of give our bodies a chance to to relax into it and uh, let our minds calm down and and receive the pleasure and yeah slowing down is what I'm really taking from what you're saying sounds like absolutely absolutely and the stages are relaxation first then arousal then sexual desire not the other way around 
And so, yeah, slowing it down to allow these parts to naturally happen is key. Mm. Because would it be true that a man might want to have sex to relax and then he'll feel really relaxed? I mean, he he could get into sex quite quickly and then feel quite relaxed, but the woman needs to spend that time. Absolutely. We are really opposites. And of course, opposites attract and that does create some problems. But but yes, we are opposites. And without understanding this, usually the women, as women, we mold ourselves into how men experience this, thinking that that is how sex or sexuality is. Um, but a different way is to understand the differences and design this to work for both people. So having both people's needs met, not one person's needs met and the other one, like I said, twisting themselves into pretzels to do that. Mm. We need to have both people's needs met, both genders and both uh, sets of of sexual needs. And also just one last, one thing about that too, is that what I hear a lot from men is he has sexual needs. Like he needs to have penetration. He needs to orgasm. But when it comes to women, a lot of women will say, I don't have sexual needs, really. Like I can totally be without sex. And that's actually really a dangerous belief because women's sexual needs are non-sexual in nature. She needs to relax. She needs to feel connected to her partner. She needs to feel safe to open up, to not be rushed, to not have to perform to not feel like she will be pressured or humiliated. That has nothing to do with sex per se, right? A relaxation, again, safety, access to non-sexual pleasure. None of it is sexual, but these are absolute prerequisites to her sexual desire coming online. Without that, like I said, it's going to be a performance. It's just going to be going through the motions. So it's not true that women don't have sexual needs. It's that they look very different. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's very, very interesting. Well, we kind of touched on this a moment ago, and I wondered if you could just say a bit more about this, but something I've heard a lot, I'm pretty sure people have said it to me before, that sometimes as women, we can be too much in our masculine energy. And by that, they might be talking about the energy of kind of working a lot, pushing, pressuring ourselves, um, not honoring our cycle, for example, might be a, a kind of manifestation of that and mm-hmm. and how that might take away from our sexuality and our pleasure. And yeah, I wondered what your, what your take on that. Is that the case that too many women are kind of in their masculine energy and not enough in their feminine energy? Absolutely. So very much relates to what I mentioned earlier about comparing ourselves to men and wanting to uh, look or have, have sexual desire that looks like theirs and perform quickly. And that is because so much of the pressure that we're putting ourselves is to perform, perform. We have to perform and produce results, which is what the masculine energy is all about. Production, results, movement forward, uh, achieving a goal. And women's sexuality is completely the opposite. It's about slowing down. It's about filling up. And filling up this way, not 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 progressing forward, but filling up this way. So um, going uh, uh, laterally rather than forward. It's about also uh, with that. It's about receiving. 
And it's about letting it be. And so, yes, when we're in production mode, when we're in results mode, we have sex that's a performance. Our sexuality becomes basically squeezed and limited to this very narrow definition and what it looks like. And we just get robbed of the nutrients that we need. And the big nutrients, so I talked about connection being a nutrient. I talked about slowing down. But the biggest nutrient we need is pleasure. We need to fill up on pleasure. So if we're doing, 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 and putting out, we're not getting replenished. And we're not getting that pleasure that would actually have us open up, that would have our bodies get ready with in terms of arousal. So the genitals filling up with blood and becoming very very soft and spongy and stretchy and pliable, which prevents us from experiencing pain. And um, the the sponginess and um, there's another word that I'm thinking about, um, well, engorged with our, our genitals become engorged. That creates sensitivity and that creates pleasure for us, that we get pleasure out of sex for us. And so, yes, when we're we need to be more in the feminine energy. We need more of filling up and and taking it in and receiving for our sexuality to come alive. And we have to do it consciously because our society around the world, in all different countries, our society still very much has us go, 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 produce, 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 because we are living by masculine principles. And so it takes intentionality and being very deliberate about carving out time to, to receive pleasure, to enjoy it, to bask in it, and to absorb all those nutrients. Yeah, that sounds like something we need in general. We all need. Um, I'm wondering, kind of as the last question I'm going to ask you, um, do you have any practical tips or practical things that you would want people to do, you know, after listening to this episode, you know, whether they're in a relationship or maybe if they're single right now and they want to kind of prepare themselves for the future to kind of some kind of practice or practical thing that they can do. Is there something you'd suggest? Yes. So first thing is, as you listen to this podcast and all these different ideas, and I want to share also a free video series that goes more in depth with these myths and how women's uh, sexual desire works, that you start to use this, not to pigeonhole yourself into the descriptions that I mentioned, but to start to question, where are you maybe not prioritizing your pleasure? Where are you going faster than you want to? Because that awareness is going to have you honor yourself more. And that's really the key peace with all of this and women's sexual desire is we need to honor ourselves. The men don't know what to honor because he's thinking he's, you're just like him. So in a way, he's a bad role model when it comes to knowing how to honor you. You are the best guide. You are the one who knows what honoring you means because you inhabit your body and your body will tell you. So again, use this information to just start to become aware of your own patterns. And especially if you're dating, you can prevent some of these issues happening later on in the relationship by 
having the relationship go differently by slowing down, by asking what you need and by using your voice. Cause that's the, the only way that we can do that is using our voice with our partners, sharing what we need and standing in our boundaries. And that's true also for a long-term relationship. It's never too late to change direction. Yes. You may have been doing things differently before. And now you realize, Ooh, I want to change how I do sex that it requires conversations. It requires using your voice to say, you know, I learned something about myself and I learned that I would like to try it differently and, and communicate with your partner about it. But the last thing I want to say about this is for any woman at any stage of her life, young, old, you know, um, just coming into her sexuality or going through menopause, that your relationship to pleasure is the key piece. So start to notice, like I said, where are you not prioritizing your pleasure? And instead, just do something to prioritize that. Do something each day to prioritize what feels good to you. And I'm not saying only sexual pleasure. I'm not talking about masturbation particularly. It's it's the whole realm of pleasure. It's really allowing yourself to enjoy your favorite cup of tea not just gulping it down whilst, when, when it's cold because you were busy doing other stuff, but really setting the time to really enjoy it. Setting the time to, you know, when you're in a shower, just for a moment, feel the water on your body. When you are in your partner's embrace, see if you can feel him holding you or you holding onto him and feel the way his skin feels or the way, again, his hands feel on your back and savor that moment of pleasure because it's, it's our relationship to pleasure that enables all these other things to happen. And of course, it's our lack of our relationship to pleasure that also creates these, these myths or um, perpetuates these myths. So pleasure is key. Your pleasure is key. Love that. Love that. Thank you so much for everything you shared. Can you can you tell listeners where they can find out more about you? Tell them about yeah your work, what you offer, any free resources that you have that people might want to get involved in. Yes, so you can find me on my website, which is irenefair.com, and there, pretty much front and center, you have the free video series called "How to Want to Have Sex Again," and it goes through these these four myths that I mentioned in more detail. There's graphs and charts. I get very geeky about all of this. And you get practical tips on how to shift out of any of these patterns or myths that I mentioned. And there's also lots of other different kinds of free resources on the website in terms of blog posts and videos. And of course, you can contact me to work individually with me. So I work with uh, couples in a long-term relationship and single women who are wanting to maybe shift out of patterns that you saw that they saw in previous relationships or that want to create an, a relationship that really satisfies them from the start. So that's the kind of coaching that I offer that can also be found on my website. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you shared. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. 
please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 